congregation, the scripture reading is Mark 1, the verses 9 to 28. Mark 1, 9 to 28. And the text are the verses 21 to 26, which we will read then. Mark 1, beginning at verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. And now the following six verses are the, the text for the sermon this morning. Then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And that part is the, those, text, those verses are the text. And then we follow that up with the following verses. Yet, then they were all amazed, so they themselves that they question among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our text is in about what happened there in the synagogue in Capernaum on the Sabbath day. When Jesus taught there in the synagogue. And you, 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 you can ask yourself, why did the Lord include that in Holy Scripture? In the Gospel of Mark. Always a good question to ask yourself when you're reading the Bible. Why was this included in the Bible? And what is it meant to teach me today? Well, if you think about that event 
of that confrontation of that demon-possessed man and Jesus in the text. If you think about that in the context of the whole Bible, of what God's Son came to do on earth, you realize that this event has something to say about that old spiritual war from the beginning, the confrontation, the enmity between the kingdom of God and the dominion of the evil one. If you know your Bible, you'll know that from the beginning, this world is the scene of that great spiritual war. And that's a theme that runs all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the victory in Revelation. And that war started in the beginning, right after the fall of man in paradise. At the instigation of the devil then. But at that time, God didn't give up on the world and mankind. No, he established enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And he promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. In other words, he promised that a savior born out of woman would totally overcome and destroy Satan. And that's why God's son came into this world. He would take up that battle and by his life and death he would be victorious over Satan. But even though Satan has in principle already lost that battle and is destined to end up in the pool of eternal fire and sulfur in hell, he still fights on. He continues to prowl around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour as it says in 1 Peter 5. He knows he is lost and his time is short, but he continues to try to destroy God's people and take them with him into eternal condemnation. And he can't help it. That's his, that's his character. He can't stop fighting because he can't change his evil nature and it is impossible for him to repent. And congregation, where is this front line? Where is the front line of this war, that enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman? Well, the text shows us that in actual fact, it's right in the assembly of God's people in Christ's church. Here, in the official worship in the church of Christ. Because after all, it's you, God's people, that Satan wants. He wants to claim you and me. He has others, others out there in his grip already. He wants you and me. And so here is where he fights the hardest to capture people for his dark dominion here in church. But this is also where our Savior fights the hardest for his people. And you see that in the text for the sermon, and I preach to you the worship services are the front line in the battle for souls. We see first Jesus in the worship service. We see secondly Satan in the worship service. And then in the third place, we ourselves in the worship service. Jesus in the worship service in the first place. We read in the first part of Mark 1 how Jesus began his ministry, right? 
He was ordained for his task as Savior when he was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And immediately after that, he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan, with, by Satan for 40 days. And he resisted. And then he began his ministry. He preached that the kingdom of God was at hand. And he called people to repent and believe in the gospel. And at that time, he also called his first disciples. And then he and his disciples went to Capernaum, as it says in verse 21. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered into the synagogue and taught. That word immediately is important here. Jesus and his disciples, right away, the first Sabbath, they were in Capernaum. They went, we could say they went to church to worship as he did, as Jesus did every Sabbath day, we're told in Luke 4, 16, that on the previous Sabbath, he had already attended worship in the synagogue in Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And it says there, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He always attended worship when he was on earth. And you might ask, why would Jesus need to attend worship? He was God's son, right? He didn't need to be instructed or encouraged in the relationship with God, would he? Well, know that Jesus lived his whole life in obedience to God's law, in submission to God's law, also to the fourth commandment. And we can safely assume that he loved to be, too, where God's people were gathered together in worship, where the scriptures were opened, where his father was honored and praised. But he also wanted to be there because he knew that was the front line in that spiritual war we mentioned before. And he had just taken up his ministry, his, that battle in that war. He had chosen some men to follow him. And they would carry his gospel out into the world, into the churches. So he knew that they need to be there at the front line of that war with him to be instructed. This is where you need to be. He was giving the disciples the example they needed to bring his word to his people after he had risen and ascended into heaven again. And the text says that Jesus taught in the synagogue in Capernaum. He opened the scriptures, unrolled the scroll, and taught the word of his father, which was all about him, really. Congregation, the scriptures are the prime weapon Jesus uses in his kingdom in the battle against Satan and his dominion. It's the sword he uses. Not money, not money or politics or influence, but the sword of the word is what he uses. And so that's the main thing the church is called to do in worship every Sunday. Open the word of God. That's the Lord's chosen weapon to fight against the evil one and his dominion. Also today. So hearing the official proclamation of the word is, is also so important for us, congregation. Because repentance and faith in the good news of the kingdom of God isn't going to come to you by itself. Like some kind of logical or rational thing. And continuing and growing in faith doesn't come automatically either. The worship service is the primary place 
where faith is worked and sustained and grown in mysterious ways by the Holy Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you know that as, as believer, if you know that, then you also want to participate in the worship services with your family, if at all possible. Here is where the Lord Jesus comes in the Spirit, via the gospel, to turn our hearts to Him. And that's why Jesus went to the synagogue in Capernaum congregation. He went there in order to teach the scriptures. Jesus held out the gospel to the people in that worship service. He held it out to them. Here's the truth of what's going on in this world. And he did that in order to take the people there out of the hands of the devil. The prince of darkness. Because by nature we have all been captured by the prince of darkness. By Satan. With the fall of Adam, he captured all mankind for himself. But by the teaching of the scriptures, the door of Satan's prison is thrown open. And God's son takes, draws sinners out of that dark dungeon and to himself into his kingdom of light. And then he also continues to draw them closer to himself all the time. They need that because you can come to faith in the Savior Jesus Christ. But you can also easily, that faith slides again too, right? Let's face it, we end up by sliding away from Jesus again in a certain way every, after every worship service, every Sunday, like waves of the ocean. Sundays are the tops of the waves, but in between Sundays we can slide into the troughs again. We get so busy and consumed by our lives here and our worries here. But every Sunday again, there's the gospel. Jesus, as it were, throws out a rope to you and draws you to himself again. Through word and spirit, we're given more and more insight into and desire for what Jesus has obtained for and promised to his people. And that's why Jesus went to the synagogue in Capernaum. And he, in fact, we could say he, he appears every Sunday in the church, in the official preaching of the word of God in the church of Christ. He's here. Because that's what takes place when the true gospel is proclaimed. It can all seem pretty plain and uninteresting in worship services. The office bearers enter the church and the minister shakes hands with an elder and goes up to the pulpit and most of the time in worship is taken up with the opening of the word of God. But looks can be deceiving, very deceiving. The office bearers officially represent Jesus himself. And so he is the one who actually comes to you with the gospel and calls you to repent and believe. And congregation, when you see things like that, then every worship service is a pretty special occasion. Jesus here wants to take hold of your heart, draw you out to himself. And you realize, too, that that calls for deep respect and reverence in church on Sundays. 
So think, every worship service actually puts us on the front line of the battle of that enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And as you sit in the pew and maybe participate online, your life is placed right in the middle of that spiritual war for your soul. Satan wants to hang on to you for himself, but Christ wants to pull you to himself, to his salvation, to his life. So you don't come to church out of custom or superstition or to dream your time away here. No, in worship here, you are at the front line of the enmity between the kingdom of Christ and the dominion of Satan. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon, Satan, also in the worship service. Congregation, Satan was also very much in that worship service there in Capernaum. While Jesus was teaching this man with an unclean spirit, for instance, it's completely taken by, by Satan, he jumped up and started yelling at Jesus. In Luke 4, the same incident is mentioned. It says that he had the spirit of an unclean demon. Satan. Representatives of Satan. Congregation, Satan had taken over that man's spirit. In Jesus Christ, God came to earth in the likeness of man. How close God was to man when Jesus was here on earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, Satan is one crafty copycat. When God's son was on earth as man and conducting his ministry, Satan tried to imitate him by taking possession of certain people, full possession of them, taking up residence in them via his demons. And in those, pe those people he possessed at that time, you see him on numerous occasions confronting Jesus in his ministry. In that service in Capernaum synagogue, it was Satan in that demon-possessed person truly confronting God's son, Jesus Christ, publicly confronting him. When Jesus comes to you and opens the scriptures, Know that Satan is there too, trying to close your heart and your eyes to the gospel. And that's because Satan knows exactly what it means when Jesus comes in worship. Jesus comes via the gospel to take people out of Satan's dominion of darkness and into the light of, of his kingdom. So in that service in Capernaum, Satan realized too I'm going to lose my heart, my hold on the hearts of people when they hear Jesus' gospel. I'm going to lose my influence on hearts here. And that's what he voiced through that possessed man in verse 24. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Most people wouldn't have known that. Jesus was really the Holy One of God at the time. Remember, Jesus had just started his ministry then. 
But the devil knew, Satan knew. And therefore he cried out and told Jesus to leave the people alone. Leave them in his hands. Not just that one man, but all of them. He's afraid he's going to lose his subjects to Jesus. He knows full well what's at stake in the worship service in the synagogue. He was contending against Jesus, the Holy One of God, contending for the souls of the people. And as we mentioned before, that contending for the souls or the hearts actually takes place in every worship service, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. Every service where the true gospel is proclaimed, the full gospel. And Satan uses all kinds of means to try to keep people in the congregation for himself. Today too. For one thing, he'll try to keep you from realizing, from seeing what's really going on in every worship service. You can get so used to everything here that goes on in worship that you, you really don't see the spiritual significance of what's going on here anymore. Maybe you're maybe tired and then your mind wanders off thinking about other things, about what that person over there is wearing or what you did last week or what you plan to do this week. It's hard to control that mind and Satan sends his spirits to draw you to think about other things rather than the opening of the word of God. And then your mind is too cluttered with all kinds of less important things to think about what's really going on when the scripture is opened in worship and to pay attention. Because here is the front line of that old enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Or maybe you think that enmity only goes on outside the walls of the church here. Out in the world. And that it's all nice and peaceful here and exalted here. That Satan can't be here in worship with us. That we're home free here. If that's what you think, then Satan thinks, good. I haven't lost the battle for this person's mind and soul. And note too, congregation, that via that possessed man in the synagogue, Satan cried out to Jesus, have you come to destroy us? Satan wants people to think that Jesus is out to ruin your life. Your happiness, to take away your happiness in life. Think about how he instigated the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with a similar lie. Via the serpent he said, did God say you're not allowed to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Ah, oh, don't worry about, about that. He just doesn't want you to be as wise and happy as him. He's just making things hard for you making your life hard. Eat from that tree and you'll be able to decide for yourself what is good and what is evil. Well, the devil still tries to bring you to think that following God's Son is going to make your life boring, hard, miserable, unpleasant if you follow Jesus. Satan says, Jesus is only out to make your life miserable with his talk about having to deny yourself, deny your feelings, deny your desires, be willing to suffer for his name. Being a Christian, he says, is a cramped and sad life. That's how the devil still fights to get control of thoughts and hearts today. It's a lot nicer without Jesus, he says. However, through the opening of the word in worship, Jesus actually throws open 
the doors of Satan's dark prison. And he throws a rope to you into that dungeon. And he calls you to take hold of that rope. And see, in one way, when Satan is right, in one way, Satan is right. When he says in the worship service there in Capernaum, have you come to destroy us? Oh, yes. Jesus comes in the gospel to destroy the works of Satan and his fallen angels. You certainly. Ultimately, Jesus will cast them all into the pool of fire and sulfur that burns forever, them and all their followers. But Satan is also dead wrong when he cries out in the worship there, Jesus Christ comes not to condemn, but to save souls. And that's what he comes to do in the clothing of his word in every worship service congregation. Today too, the evil one wants to hold you in his grip in order to destroy you. But Jesus wants to draw you away from him and give you glorious life forever beyond what you can imagine. So brothers and sisters, young people, every worship service, you're at the front line for the battle for your soul. Or maybe you still think, Jesus, leave me alone. I don't want to hear about sin and condemnation. And I'd rather hang on to that certain sin in my life. Or you think, I really don't need you, Jesus. I'll, I'll depend on my self-righteousness. I've been such a good person. I'm sure that God will say, oh, that's okay. Enter my kingdom. I don't want to hear that I'm totally unable to save myself. That's how Satan takes hold of you. To keep you in his dungeon when the word is opened. And Jesus has opened the door of that dungeon there. And he throws you the rope of his salvation. Take hold of his promises. Take hold of them, congregation. Otherwise, you just stay in that dark dungeon until it's shut forever. Even though you think you're happy, you're fooling yourself. It's all artificial. Because only with Jesus is there true peace and eternal joy. So we've paid attention to Jesus in the worship service and then to Satan in the worship services. Now we in the worship service. <clears throat> Consider, congregation, <clears throat> what Jesus did in that worship service there in Capernaum. He rebuked that unclean spirit and he said, be quiet and come out of him. <laughs> Just an order. And with a final convulsion, the devil was driven out of that man. And he sat there, calm. And we can say, saved. Helplessly imprisoned by Satan before, but now suddenly taken from his dominion and put in the kingdom of light, miraculously. And note that the people were all amazed at Jesus' authority. To, have that, to do that miracle. Jesus cast that demon out there though that, so that people not only heard him teach with authority, but also saw that authority in his deeds and what he did. Jesus had the authority to drive out the unclean spirit out of that man. He had the right to do that. Through our fallen Adam, we gave ourselves over to the devil. 
to his dungeon of darkness and death. And Satan always stands guard at the opening of that dungeon. The accuser does because he doesn't like anybody to be taken away from his dominion. We can say that he even has the right to keep everybody in that dungeon. He has the right to do that. All men are of themselves sinners and condemned and have to sit out the full eternal punishment of, for sin of themselves. So how can Jesus open the gates of that prison and call people out of it? Well, that's why he came into the world. Into our own human existence as one of us. And he came in order to obtain the right to exit that place and the authority to call you and me out of that place too. And he did it by fighting against Satan in this life and remaining obedient to God the Father, even to death on a cross. He bore in himself, in body and soul, the full curse and wrath of God against all our sins, even descending into hell for us, where we should have been where we were, go, were destined to go. And in doing that, Jesus received the authority to do what he does in worship, namely, open Satan's prisoners and set the prisoners free. And even though Jesus had not been crucified at that time yet, hadn't died at the time of the text, he had already then received the authority from his Father in, in advance. His work of salvation was so certain that the Father granted him that authority already in the synagogue in Capernaum. Already there he had the key to the dungeon in hand, we could say, to take those given him by the Father from eternity already, to take them out of the grip of Satan. And the accuser lost his right to Jesus, and therefore also the right to keep those who are his, who believe in him as their only savior, to keep them there. And congregation, that event in synagogue in Capernaum shows us what actually takes place in every worship service today too. I say it again, the via the opening of the word in Jesus' name, he himself opens the devil's dungeon and calls you to repent and to believe in the gospel calls you and me out of the spiritual darkness of Satan's dominion and into the light of the kingdom of God do you see that brothers and sisters boys and girls too the savior of life has opened the doors of the prison for you with his promises at your baptism and in every proclamation of the gospel he throws his rope of salvation out to you to draw you to his life and to peace and joy in him. If you have wandered from Jesus Christ in your heart and life, he calls you here today, here and now. Take hold of him and to the good life that there is in him. And we never have to worry that it's too late as we sit here because if that was possible, if it was possible for that man who was possess so possessed, taken over completely by that unclean devilish spirit, then it's possible for you too to take hold and to be saved. The devil won't be able to resist Jesus. He doesn't have the right 
So take part in worship if at all possible. Who knows if it might be the last time you can grab that rope and tighten your hold on that rope that Jesus throws out via the gospel. And it would then also be good to think about how, how you go to worship now. That's important to think about that too then. I can think of three things. First, you need to come to worship with great expectation. Great expectation that Jesus will be here to draw you to himself and strengthen you to follow him and embrace him. Think of what the reformer Martin Luther once said. Expectation before you come to worship is like a container. If you come to worship with a, a large container, a large jar, expecting much, then the Lord can also give you much. But if you come expecting little, maybe with just a little thimble, then you'll only get what the thimble can hold. Those who expect much, Jesus also said, will receive much. The second thing to think about when going to worship on Sundays, before coming to worship on Sundays, is prayer. Come to worship here prayerfully. Prayerfully. Lord, you have the authority to show me my sins and to declare your salvation to me and to pull me closer to you. Congregation, pray before worship. Maybe Saturday evening already, but at least on Sunday, Sunday morning before you go, prayer for the opening of the word so that the Spirit opens your heart to hear it and to respond to it. And in the third place, be attentive while you're in worship. Realize that there is here a spiritual war going on for your very soul in every worship service. Let the dust and the busyness of the week settle and the air clear in your mind on Saturday already and Sunday morning so you can be awake and alert when Jesus comes in the gospel and holds his hands out to you. How you attend worship is so important, congregation. Jesus comes here. He, Jesus himself. But Satan is here too. This is the front line of the old enmity from the beginning. So prepare to meet Jesus here in this gospel. And you will certainly find freedom and glorious, everlasting joy and life in him. Amen.